Hey, I'm Alan Hunter. You're listening on the Pantheon Network. Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. This episode is brought to you by Paramount+. Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG-13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Venture X from Capital One is the travel card for people always asking, Where next? You earn 10x miles on hotels and rental cars and 5x miles on flights booked through Capital One Travel and 2x miles on everything else you buy with Venture X. Plus, receive premium travel benefits like access to over 1,300 airport lounges. The Venture X card from Capital One. What's in your wallet? Terms apply. See CapitalOne.com for details. I am the enemy. And there we have another callback in that enemy line as we that where it goes back to the big fight scene with uh, Russell and the band where Jason Lee's character yells at him, he's the enemy. He's not even one of us. And, and that, I think Russell calls him that in the party too, doesn't he? Doesn't oh yeah. Russell yeah. yeah and I've, I've been keeping, well, I mean, I was, I'm able to like, like I said, how I'm doing this in a Google doc and I can do a search for enemy. And I, I even did that earlier today, but um, I've, I've also been trying to keep it and I'll just have to, Make sure I update it and, and double check by searching in this doc, uh, but in a separate Excel or not, you know, spreadsheet file, uh, keeping, uh, you know, just just what the tab is. I think we're around five or six now. <laughs> With the, I think that enemy line, he really is. Again, he's establishing his own character. He's it's it's the give me my respect. This is what I've earned. Like I'm not just the little kid you think I am. I'm not. This is where he's establishing that he's not. She's not the pixie dream girl that she thinks she is. She wants to be the manic pixie dream girl. But that's not what she's doing here. This is not the game we're actually playing. And uh, this he's just establishing his own agency while also being pissed off. Yeah, this movie is just so much more mature and nuanced than I initially assumed. Because I only watched it for the first time a year ago. But watching it the second time, I just I'm picking up on all of the the layers and the complexity. And this is minute eighty three, and it starts with William yelling that he is the enemy, and ends with Penny asking what kind of beer. Yeah, and I think that the the fact that it's a real life story kind of added to that, or at least a large portions of it are drawn from real life, because the the autobiographical nature kind of helps it flesh out. Yeah. I think there's something amazing when a film can be a part of a genre and give you what you want out of that genre at the same time it's subverting it and it's critiquing it and it's doing something different. In a way, it's kind of like Watchmen. <laughs> kind of. Yeah. I never I never got I never thought to compare him almost famous to Watchmen. 
there's that much of a connect more of a connection than just Billy Crudup. <laughs> um, yes, true. true. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So that's Actually, the only connection I could think of. I could everything. So the oh, I saw so I been on the Watchmen minute, and oh, yeah. I was saying on there that the first time I'm, I I'm read get, that, I'm gonna get very. I'm, I'm sorry to interrupt. This is a very obscure connection <laughs> reference here, really quick. Okay, but the one, it's follow me on this. Um, Patrick Fugit, last name mm-hmm. Fugit. Okay. There, that ties in with a time reference of Tempest Fugit, Tempest Fugit uh, yes. the line that Dr. Manhattan says in Watchmen. There, yes. There you go. There you go. Nice. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, on Watchmen Minute, I was saying that the first time I read the, the graphic novel, you know, I just thought it was cool, and, and that was it. And then reading it the second time, I, I started to go, yeah, I, I totally dig the, the cynicism and the nihilism. And then the third time, seeing it as actually kind of this hopeful, uplifting story or, you know, just, just seeing different nuances to that story. And mm. I think Almost Famous has kind of been the same thing where I am a very different person to the one I was a year ago. And so now I'm watching this movie again and just all these discussions about growing up and breaking through the illusion and what do you want out of relationships and and thinking bigger picture it's just like oh wow okay yeah this movie's really hitting me in a way it didn't even a year ago mm-hmm. yeah I, I think that that's one of the benefits of going down this rabbit hole of the minute dissection podcast is it helps to um shine lights on those areas and the in this minute that we're in with Penny and William, I think that another dynamic that kind of shifts in this is that in a way it kind of solidifies their friendship because when William tells Penny the revelation that uh, Russell tried to sell her for a case of beer, then it, um, I think that it showed, I think it gave Penny more trust in William that he's not nearly as fake as everybody else. And I, I, I think from then on, their relationship has a bit more reality to it in all of its other areas. I think the thing I was really kind of trying to think about with the enemy uh, of his use of it, and so it, I mean, it's the first time he's using it to call himself that, yet I believe there is a second time later. So I would definitely will want to point that out when we get to it, that, I'll, that hopefully will. I'll be able to point that out and say, oh, yeah, there was the first time in 83 and <laughs> this 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 current time, whenever that is down the road, when he calls himself that again. But, mm-hmm. yeah, every other time it's like it's it's uh, really just Russell and Jeff. I don't think anyone else really. Well, OK, well, just two minutes, two, three minutes ago now, it was it was Dick and Russell at the same time <laughs> at, the, at, the, yeah. at the card table or, or uh, poker game, what have you. Um, so Penny is then replying to that, saying, him saying, I am the enemy. Uh, she's saying, look, you should be happy for me. You don't know what he says to me in private. Yeah. Yeah, because he never lets William in on his private thoughts <laughs> here in, 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 in the room. In, in, you know, not, not that he should let them in while they make love, fornicate, whatever, you know, <laughs> um, get real intimate. But, uh, you know. Maybe just a little more openness from what Russell would be nice. Well, and I, I kind of, I kind of took 
I, I kind of took that that William that just made William even more mad because yeah. that just means that Russell's even a, a, that's just more proof that Russell's fake. Yeah. That Russell's not what he's saying he is. He's only telling you that in private. He's not saying anything in public. And why is it? Why is it only in private? And to, that's just a. Uh, I I don't. I think that the that while William has growing affection and more care for Penny as the movie goes on, I think he has less care and respect for Russell. Yeah. And and while he he doesn't disrespect him or dislike him, it moves from idolation to yeah, you're just a dude I've been on tour with. Um. And 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 it's, you know, you said he he was getting and that was getting him even more mad. So that's the point where <laughs> um you know, well, well she she continues maybe it is love as much as it can be for somebody he that's when he does exclaim who sold you the humble pie for 50 bucks in a case of beer mm-hmm. i think this movie is yeah. basically never meet your heroes it is yeah. that just <laughs> stilled yeah definitely um so so you know he says i was there and i was there you know uh, pretty, pretty kind of somewhat with with some pretty decent pauses there, um, and and then after the second I was there, it, then that's one of the biggest pauses I think, and that's where some music fades very gradually low in the mix. At first, I mean, extremely low in the mix. I think it's second twenty three, um, is when I could first kind of hear it, um, at least on one listen, uh, you know, and but it's a Nancy Wilson. Get, you know, pretty much, pretty much guitar only for this time, at least. Um, you know, there's there's certain cases where in, in other uh, bits of her score that where she's using some other neat instruments too. But uh, at least in uh, three or four of the cases, uh, it's, it's some pretty just light picking of a of a guitar. Um, yeah, I was going to ask about that if there was a composer, or if it was all just sourced music. Yeah, N- Nancy Wilson of of Heart, you know, and that's that they were married, Cameron and her. If you weren't aware of that, Courtney, uh, oh. for for quite a few years, I believe, um, and they, and they met on the. Uh, I, I, I'm pretty sure, actually, whoa, 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 could it have been before? Uh, for Fast Times at Ridgemont High, she's she's the woman in the in the car on the side that, uh, uh, oh. I can't remember the, the actor or the character's name. Just driving down the road, and they just kind of flirt with each, you know, flirt, you know, with with glances, you know, without even mm-hmm. not even any verbal flirting. But uh, but um, yeah, at, at some point after that, they got married, um, and and uh, unfortunately divorced somewhat recently, I believe, five years ago maybe. Um, but uh, yeah, you know, and and she even also did uh, some of the writing of some of the some of the Stillwater songs. So there's this there, there's her score. There's the Stillwater songs. There's kind of a pretty big mixture of different people. Uh, Peter Frampton being another huge one that was in the mix for helping to write some of that stuff. Um, and then there's all the yeah, most mostly diegetic. I'm I'm pretty sure. I mean, it's it's you know. I, I, you know, some sometimes music seems to not be diegetic for a little bit, and then become, you know, it definitely uh, becomes becomes it. Uh, but uh, right. yeah, all, all the all the early seventies, and even before that too, a few things here and there before that, uh, especially, well, especially for the for the initial thirteen minutes, roughly uh, scenes, but that are actually what like sixty nine, whatever sixty eight, sixty nine. You know, I was just thinking the other tropes or cliche plots that this movie 
gracefully avoids is that one where you see this in so many kids movies especially like bro del dorado where you know the character enters this new situation but oh no they were deceiving people all along oh chicken run is the other one and oh. then you know there's that whole third act or second to third act conflict of oh but we're gonna learn to appreciate this guy uh and and become friends again or whatever it is but <laughs> Yeah, in this case, they know that Will is is the enemy. They literally call him that to his face. And yeah, there's never this outright betrayal. There's none of that predictable conflict. Well, well, they well they they still get kind of like duped a bit, you know, or at least oh, yeah. from their point of view, they feel they have been. Mm. I I think they they call him the enemy, kind of only a half. Meaning yeah, it, I think right. that yeah. they, they call him the enemy more out of their own ego to make themselves feel like badasses yeah. that we're have the reporter and who's the enemy. We're going to call him the enemy because we're going to be the rebels. And in reality, yeah. they're just craving adulation, and each one of them wants him to write a giant puff piece about how great he is. So they, he, they, he's not just the make enemy. us look cool. Yeah, just make us look cool. Just, just, just be nice to us, please. And but at the same time, they're going to call him the enemy because they have to be the tough guys and they have to be the the rock star rebels and they can't be seen to be like, Oh yeah, well I'd, I'd love to have the reporter in here. Can you please come here and sit and write a whole article about me? I'd like that. Yeah. yeah. Let me, let me tell you all about my childhood. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, at the end they're like, I, I sound like an idiot. <laughs> Maybe we do sound <laughs> like idiots. Mm-hmm. Uh, so with that music gradually fading in, that's when he he realizes, you know, and and you you can barely barely you can hear oh, but then I'm I'm almost positive I, I got the script or whatever, but I'm almost positive he says God very very low. He's looking down at that point, um, and then uh, and then a few, few more seconds of a pause, and he says I'm sorry. Yeah, and she at this time is just gorgeous, and Penny. Um... Kate Hudson in this scene is just absolutely radiant, in my opinion. She's this is uh, iconic. Looking out the, to the sky, you, you could tell some of the best acting she does in the whole movie. She kind of, you could see all the emotions flashing on her face, a little tear running down. You know, it makes me wonder what she had. They had her think about because those kind of yeah. that, the tears that don't look like the kind of like fake tears they have to stick right in. You know, mm. they look like organic. So. It definitely a uh, was a moving scene, and I've seen, I've I've known women personally who have been in a, a relationship with abusive men who have had to have that revelation that that abusive guy doesn't give a shit about you, yeah. and that having that moment is it, it can be cathartic and powerful and also very sad at the same time, and I think it's all of that and kind of also happy for Penny because she still has William right there. Yeah, just watching the minute again, there's just so much going on in terms of performance. All these little micro expressions and stuff. Yeah, like like her yeah, her hand hand gesture, hand movements on her face with her face with the tears. Yeah, that's that's I mean that's really critical I think to help 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 you realize that that's oh that's that's coming it's coming up we might actually see some tears from a real actress, you know, mm -hmm. doing her job really well. Yeah. And you can see the persona crumble of the Penny Lane kind of crumble down and yeah. then she's, 
her real self for a minute. And then, like I said, she has to reestablish it. She flips her hair. She gives kind of a smile. She brushes her cheek off and starts to chuckle. And even then, it's her tears are still coming and she's still trying to fight it. But she keeps her smile on and puts out a little quip. Yeah, like they hold on it for just a few seconds before they cut to the next scene. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you say cut to the next scene, which which would be next minute, though, at this point, right? Mm. <laughs> That's, yes. Is that what you're saying? That, yeah, that cut. yeah. No, just, yeah. yeah, after she has that line, you just, you're holding on her expression, so yeah. you see that smile fade. It's not, oh, I'm going to cut on her just smiling and laughing and making it seem like, oh, everything's okay. Yes. Yeah, it kind of gives it the, the weight and gravity of the line, lets it sit for a little while. Yeah. Well, I mean, it, it helps it helps us, the audience, know that was kind of just like a defense mechanism type of a, of a joke. In sense. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I love how editing can totally change context. If you had cut off those that second or two, it's compl- it's a completely different story. Mm-hmm. And, and and her laugh right after that, you know, the, you know, I I'm definitely one that uh, I think I've even been accused of, of laughing too much on the show and in, 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 in uh, Apple reviews or what have you, but uh, you know, she she does get that little laugh after she says it, and uh, it's it's the it's it's the one I like to type the most, the he he, yes, H-E-H-E. yes, <laughs> yeah, and I, I, she's again she's trying to just reestablish her penny self so she can go back on to being normal but trying to adjust to the gut kick that she just got. Because even though she doesn't want to admit it, it really did hurt her that she was sold for beer Mm. and that the guy that she thinks she loves isn't really there. And she's a badass, so she's going to keep on going with it, but it still hurt. Do you guys think you have any more uh, notes? Um, not about this minute specifically, but just um, just how much I love this movie. I had hadn't seen it before you well, yeah. wanted me on the show. Yeah, and... let's transition. Yeah, into yeah, good segue into uh, uh, our our last or our second uh, day with with you, uh, Courtney, um, yes. and and getting your history with the movie. Yeah, you hadn't you hadn't seen it prior to me asking you or asking you know, seeing if you wanted to come on and. <laughs> I'll give yeah, it a it watch. And... One of those movies that I... It, it was played a lot on TV, so I, I definitely yeah. seen it around, but just yeah. no one had told me to watch. I guess because my generation probably kind of yeah. missed this a little bit, but uh, it, it is just this beautiful, nostalgic, dreamlike journey into a time that I don't otherwise have nostalgia for. I think that's the magical thing about film, especially this one, is that it sells you on this fantasy that you never thought of before. And, and would you say that, um, because you met, you made reference to that DJ scene uh, with Kyle Gass, uh, yes. uh, ha- have you seen both times? I think I think you said you've seen, you've seen it now a couple times, essentially, right? Yeah, I watched it twice. So is it, has both times been the, the director's cut? It's untitled, the bootleg cut? You know, what, uh, what I think I, you know, I'm, all the things I know it as, because right, that's because uh, that's two hours, hours and forty, 40. Minutes. yeah, forty yep, minutes. That's the one I watched. Versus yeah. this, this, this is the theatrical cut. You know, and I, I think if I think if you were to watch this one, you know, next, um, I think you'll find, you know, okay, it's it certainly goes at the at the at the better pace. You know, uh, 
you know, you, you can watch it, you know, in a, in a time frame <laughs> that's yeah. a little, possibly a little more convenient. Um, and, uh, but, but a, lo- a lot of that stuff that I think that it cuts out, you know, it, it's just, it's, it's fun and neat stuff, but it's not anything that adds to, you know, to, so much to, to a plot. That's interesting because I didn't plot. even realize I there did. was more than one yeah, version sure. or, or I was sure. watching the, the director's version. So yeah, I, I couldn't imagine this movie any other way. It flows so beautifully. It it reminds me of Lawrence of Arabia where you look <laughs> at the, the runtime and you go, oh my god, what? But then you're actually watching it and you go, this is it's still flowing. There's no... I guess there's a lot of movies that, oh, yep, there's a lot of energy here, I'm focused, it's great, and then it just crashes, and then it comes back up again, and there's, there's none of that with those two films, where it's just, and then this, and then this, oh, interesting, and then this, and then you just, it, it keeps your interest the whole time, or at least I find it does. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's almost maybe the advantage that it doesn't have this distinct three-act structure. I think maybe that's mm-hmm. where a lot of films struggle is it can have really good setup and then doesn't have a, a good payoff <laughs> prometheus or it doesn't have good setup but then oh third act oh my god all the explosions the excitement and oh it's really cool yeah there's a lot of balance issues with i feel like especially modern films especially modern action movies but yeah, it was refreshing to review a film that was totally outside of my usual wheelhouse and seeing that, oh yeah, you can structure things differently. Hmm. My one critique of Almost Famous is there's not enough Alice Cooper, because that was what I grew up with. That is, you know, my dad was so into Alice Cooper. That, I, he raised me on that. Alice Cooper, would have, Alice Cooper would have hated all those bands in that, in that they would have fought. They, all those bands and Alice Cooper, they would have not gotten along. No. He was the anti-classic rock. Yeah. Um, and I feel like through music, that's how I I got to know my parents and thinking back on and listening to that music now as an adult going, oh, so you were that kind of kid. Yeah. And I can imagine how we would have interacted at the same age. It's really weird to get to that point in your life where you can have that perspective, so, I suppose. So how old are you? Or what, what's first, what age range are you? Uh, I just turned 29. 29? Okay. So yeah, I have I'm a whole generation ahead of you. Yes. Cuz I'm I'm 42. Most so of my I... friends are in their 40s. I don't know why. I just <laughs> I I'm a Gen X on the inside. Well, we are the good we are the cool last cool generation. So. Exactly. Yeah, and we and I'm just 2 years older than you, Aaron, and and we're like at the end of Gen X as well. Uh-huh. Yep, yeah, yeah we're the tail end of Gen X. I can't say okay, boomer. I, I, I've been call, I've been called a millennial once or twice. <laughs> We're the last key kids right? to care, take care of ourselves, but don't care about everything enough to care, take care of it. So. The middle children of history, yeah. as they say in Fight Club. Yep, <laughs> that'd be a good one to do. Fight oh, Club. someone yeah. must have done that. Well, no one had done RoboCop yeah. until I planted my flag. So, uh, so uh, Courtney, uh, we also we would like to hear about uh, how you'd like to rank. You know, just a personal nature, personal uh, mm. feelings uh, for uh, the music of, or, or just as band, as bad as bands in general. Uh, the four yes. bands that are most commonly believed to make up Stillwater: um, Led Zeppelin, Leonard Skinner, Eagles, and Almond Brothers. Uh, so Led Zeppelin has to go at to the top, of course. Oh, like, yeah. Um, 
they're they're the only band to successfully combine Tolkien level nerd <laughs> with rock music, and frankly, that's very admirable. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. And God, the best riffs like when the levee breaks. It's just iconic. It's been used so many times. Um, then, uh, so Linda Skinner did Sweet Home Alabama. I just mm-hmm. want to double check that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, that has to go like way down at the bottom, just into the ground. Oh, and now that song's stuck in my head. I'm very upset. Oh. <laughs> uh, Armour Brothers, I don't know. Eagles, I do. So I've, I've put Eagles second there. And um, I mean, that's Paul McCartney, so. What? Respect. Isn't Paul McCartney Ooh, in the Eagles? That's Wings. No, nope, you're thinking Wings. Oh, sorry. So who's the Eagles then? Don Henley. Eagles is Don Henley. Ben, no ben idea. Fry. Fry? Fry? Fry. Fry. Right? Yeah. Um, uh, oh, Joe Walsh. Oh, and the other couple, so... couple guys, like Meisner is one. Go give me some up. song examples, man. Hotel California. Oh, yeah. Okay. Desperado. No, I'm just dumb. It's fine. No, I knew. I knew. Desperado. Yeah, okay, so second spot, Why second spot. You... Oh, right I'm sorry, but the 1980s are like my, my main thing, and it's more, you know, just, uh, well, okay. I'm mostly listening oh, to Oh, you're going to hit Eagles. If you're in the, you will hit a lot of Eagles in the and, 80s. And, and so a lot of Eagles. Guys too, True. You know. And a lot of cocaine. <laughs> oh, a lot of Eagles and a lot of cocaine. Speaking of cocaine, my God, uh, you get to like the fourth season of Miami Vice, and I think that's what the entire writing staff was on because it is just cryogenically frozen Jamaican rock stars and alien invasions and. <laughs> It was yep. supposed to be about Miami Vice. It's in the title. Um, yeah. But yes, I said that off air, but I will uh, explain. So I do have an Instagram. I guess I'm plugging myself. Yeah, that's, um, that's transition to that. Natural segue. Yeah, uh, so I have an Instagram called the, the Greatest Regeneration because I'm basically reliving the 1980s. So uh, this was kind of... Some people have New Year's resolutions. I have a New Year's project. So... Maybe I'll continue it on for the entire decade. I'm having fun so far. So I'm going to relive every month of 40 years ago. So right now I'm looking at everything that came out in January 1981, listening to all the music. Uh, So uh, Toto and Marvin Gaye and I can't remember who else came out this month, but a couple of their albums did. And just, yeah, experiencing all this culture that I would never normally seek out or would have been forgotten about if I wasn't digging through the Internet Archive scans of magazines from the time. Well, well with you saying your age, the I, I calculated just now that the 80s ended like just a couple years before you were born, right? Yeah. <laughs> Essentially. So, yeah, 1992. So, uh, I mean, this it's, it's a weird transitional period because you do still have things like Star Trek The Next Generation was still on at that point. So... <laughs> There's some things carrying over, but uh, yeah, I'm as I'm as old as or a little bit younger than Twin Peaks. <laughs> Just to give you right reference, on. yeah. Which I am watching. Well, now. if you're you're probably both the older and younger than Twin Peaks, given the yeah. show. Oh yeah, but quantum <laughs> mechanics or something is that play there? Yeah. <laughs> All right, so me, um, I. I um, have a Facebook Facebook group called You Are Not Alone. If come follow me on there, it's all based on outreach for people who are in a dark spot who need to find a way out, full of mental health professionals and people who 
we're there to offer support. Um, also on Twitter at StarkDad1313. Um, I have a TED Talk called I Was Almost a School Shooter that, like I said, just crossed 12 million views. Um, I do speeches and podcasts and presentations all over the world. So, yeah, if you um, ever need to talk about anything, let me know. Um, remember, you are not alone. Damn, making me feel uh, unambitious un- un- there, you know? <laughs> Yeah, I, I thank you both for uh, coming on these past couple of minutes. I think, uh, Courtney, you should hopefully uh, come back uh, next week. Uh, yeah, and, and and thanks uh, to you, Aaron, too. Uh, I mean, yeah, and so I, I think you're I think you're going away from us for just a little bit. You'll be you'll be back, I'm sure, at least one, if not a couple more times. Um, to, yeah, to thank you for right having me. I appreciate it. Sure. Yeah, and, and and thank you yeah, so every- much for everything you do. Like you're talking about, uh, uh, you're 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 coming out, so to speak. Uh, as as a almost school shooter it's it's a, it's a really uh amazing story and uh, i think it can be can uh, bring a lot of light into the world at this uh during these crazy times well thank you very much I, if you can help even one person help yeah. them find their way out of that same darkness it's all worth it and we already know we have you have so <laughs> yeah oh uh that Reminds me, so I, I do have a YouTube channel. I oh, don't yeah, promote it enough, but uh, yes, yeah, so it's just my name, Courtney Colson, and talking about the experience of uh, being misdiagnosed with gender dysphoria and just going through those mental health issues. And I, I mean, the whole point of creating that channel was just to reach out to other people who are confused, don't feel like they have any support with these issues, feels like they're the only one with these issues. I definitely do. But no, since I've done this channel... So many people have reached out and go, yes, this is what I was dealing with, but no one talks about it. So, yeah, if you want to know what it's like to be a detransitioner, that's where to go. Um, so uh, this was Minute 83, and before it was 82, I, I just want to make sure I uh, point out, uh, because we have another Movies by Minutes person on this time, uh, the, the, the godfathers of it all, so to speak, uh, are Pete oh, and yes. Alex from Star Wars Minute. A couple of great guys I've actually been able to meet in person. Um, and, uh, they, they kind of kicked it, pretty much kicked it off, uh, especially at least as far as a daily version of it and the whole community as well. They, they really helped organize, uh, especially on Facebook in our minute makers group. Um, I love the movies by minute community. Yeah. They're just the best. Yeah. Um, so big thanks to them. And I, I am on, uh, the Pantheon podcast network at pantheonpodcast.com and big thanks to Harmon audio for this AKG Lyra mic, microphone, and headset. They sound great, I think. Um, So we'll be back uh, next time for Minute 84. Uh, Until then, it's all happening. It's all happening. happening. I am a golden god! The Venture X card from Capital One gives you premium travel benefits. Perfect for seeing Taylor Swift the Eras Tour. Presented by Capital One. Ooh, I do love her. Earn five times miles on flights and ten times miles on hotels through Capital One Travel. Enjoy your stay in Suite 13. Whoa, 13? That's Taylor's lucky number. The Venture X card from Capital One. 
What's in your wallet? Terms apply. See CapitalOne.com for details.